and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. When the world ends, that's something we're all thinking about maybe just a little bit these days. We're in the midst of a historic, epic, life-changing, world-changing, transformational pandemic. And it's the kind of thing we think about and we think, who do we want to have with us to go through something like that? Who do we want beside us? Well, here's my thoughts on this and my uh, message to my narcissistic sociopathic ex-partner. I began, dear narcopath, I'm feeling angry while it's the end of the world as we know it, and you're feeling fine. Remember that song? It's the end of the world as we know it, and I'm feeling fine. Well, he's feeling fine. I'm not. Because for the longest time, year after year, I believed that he would be there for me until the end, whatever that might look like. Old age, accident, illness, even the apocalypse. We talked about it. We were so interwoven and connected that I thought we both needed each other and cared enough to always be there in times of need, you know, till death do us part. Well, I was wrong. After spending the past nine months now, this is March 2020, after spending these last nine months trying to recover from a very brutal discard that was sudden, right out of the blue, Um, This current crisis feels no more abysmal and frightening than the hell that I have walked through these last nine months. I've heard that getting burned makes you all sparkly and glittery and as if you've been electrified or something. And um, I think if that's true, I must glow in the dark like and glitter like fireworks in the night sky. Speaking of darkness, although I am fearless in the face of the novel Corona and resigned to whatever danger that it might bring to me, I have ventured into the bad place a few times over the past few weeks. I call it the danger zone. And when I tell friends, they say, oh, it's normal to feel that way. After what he did, it would be weird if you didn't feel angry from time to time. In fact, we've wondered why you haven't been more angry these past nine months. It's about time. Just feel it. I imagine him sheltering in place with a member of his harem or perhaps a few members of his harem. He performs kind gestures, appears protective, and polishes his armor to shimmer as the true knight that he actually has deluded himself into believing that he truly is. 
I wonder how many bad guys really stop to think, hey, I'm a bad guy. I mean, I think a lot of them think that they're the good guys. It doesn't really matter what they think. It's all blame-shifting behavior, and it's quite normal for a narcissistic sociopath. In reality, they are the harbingers of doom, the destroyers, the annihilators, the forces of selfish, lustful, gluttonous indulgence that devours and ravages and consumes its prey, then vanishes with no warning, all the while believing that they had no choice but to do it in order to survive, to protect themselves, to thrive. We asked for it, failed them, showed some kind of weakness, begged for mercy, had no value to them anymore. Only one who has been gobbled up by these evil machinations can tell you what it feels like to have them turn on you, no longer friend but foe, and suddenly rip your throat out and feast on your entrails. You're eaten alive, too shocked and paralyzed with the pain of betrayal to escape to safety. All you can do is just lie there and take it and watch in horror. I didn't know that he was a predator, a beast, a monster, a wolf in sheep's clothing. But I did know from the very beginning that there was something wrong with him. A little bit dangerous, maybe a little twisted, with a little bit of wildness that seemed mostly harmless. Mostly being the most important word in all of this equation. He showed me his claws ever so often, but always tucked them back in with a smug little smirk. By the time he enacted his whole Siegfried and Roy extravaganza moment, where he attacked me and tore out my throat, it was too late to escape with my life by then. Sixteen years we were together, fifteen of them married, man and wife. It's a long time. So now, every time I must venture out into the world, which these days is filled with this invisible enemy called COVID-19, that could take someone like me with a battered heart and autoimmunity, straight to the ICU and probably, you know, to the morgue. When I, when I have to venture out, I hate him for abandoning me and leaving me to die. I think about his textbook lack of empathy or ethics, and I know that as soon as he had bled me dry and was done with me and ready for fresh meat, he wanted me to just cease to exist. So he killed me. He burned the body beyond recognition, dumped me into a shallow grave, and immediately celebrated his newfound freedom by performing his cute little church lady dance right on top of my cold, dead body. When the world ends, we all have some idea of who we want beside us. 
except for narcopaths who are never alone, but always alone. Narcissistic sociopaths don't dwell in this world of reality anyway. They have a different vision, different rules, and different delusions that color their world so antithetically opposite from the rest of us. Incapable of love, loyalty, remorse, conscience, or morals, people like them, they know no fear. So I'm sure that none of the narcissistic sociopathic people in the world today are fearful at all about this pandemic because they don't feel that, just like they don't feel those other things. And what about the one who ruined me, this person? How does someone like that spend their days at times like these? Impending doom, the numbers of of infection and death rising exponentially every day, doubling, tripling. How does someone like that deal with it? Well, I imagine him with his camera in hand, um, skipping through deserted streets, snapping pictures of the empty landscapes around L.A. to leverage for his artwork that he believes someday will propel him to fame. He's single-minded and focused on future gain. He's fearless. And I'm sure that the rules to shelter in place and do social distancing and all of that, they don't apply to him. They do to everyone else, but not to him because no rules apply to him. He makes his own rules. He's oblivious to the suffering around him. He's dead inside to the point that a global pandemic means nothing more than an opportunity to gather material for future projects and monetization. No fear, no compassion, only excitement for new and interesting material, excitement about the fuel and the attention and adoration that he can get from vulnerable young women during this very stressful and chaotic time. He believes he's invincible. What he did to me, the shameless evil in it all, has given us one more thing in common that makes us more alike than ever. And it's that I also am fearless, not in the delusional way that he is, but because he took away everything that ever mattered to me and left me with nothing. Beware the person who has nothing to lose. They are dangerous. So who do I want beside me when the world ends? Him. I want him beside me. Actually, for a number of reasons, but not because of his signature kindness and gentle hand that touched everything with such sweetness and flawlessly disguised the contemptuous insatiable, ruthless destroyer of souls that was his true self. No, I want to be there to see his blind ambition and dreams go up in flames. I want to see his face when he realizes that he's going to die and none of his selfish, 
heartless efforts to throw other people like me under the bus so that he could save himself, none of those things will work this time. I want to be there for that. The day he left me, he said, I don't want to stick around to see you lying in a hospital bed, gasping for breath as you die. Well, I want to see him gasping for his last breath. I want to see him burn the way he burned me alive. Out of those ashes, I arose, burned beyond recognition, but still alive. My son told me, you know, Mom, I think that was a curse. It was almost prophetic in light of everything that's happening when he said he didn't want to be there to witness you lying in a hospital gasping for breath as you die. I mean, that kind of sounds like like COVID-19 and that you're going to get it and, and you're going to die and that that's what he wanted for you. And he said that to you back in, um, what, July, June? way before this thing even was on the radar, before the first case in China. The last time I saw him, he said, I'll see you one more time when you die. Oh, did I mention he had a, he has prescient superpowers that could see the future, or so he said, you know, as an ascended being and everything, an ascended master, Well, at the time, I hoped maybe he was saying that he was just going to come and be there with me as I lay dying, but that contradicted the other thing about not wanting to be there, and I started thinking he would gladly let me die alone. Even if I were scared and struggling and totally terrified, he doesn't care. He he would just come to to see the dead body and have the satisfaction to know that I was finally out of his life. No more alimony, no more having to be reminded of me at all. I would be like, you know, in an urn on top of the fireplace or something and be done. Victory at last, freedom at last, over my dead body. He buried me alive, and it's taken me almost a year to kick and claw my way out of that grave that he put me in. So I say, no, go ahead, please, you go first. It will take more to kill me than your venomous intentions. You infected every part of my body and soul, but I'm recovering, and I let you die a little bit more every day, knowing that you were always dead anyway and just pretending to be real. Soon, I will be free. Anger is a poison, so I will not allow myself to hate you for long. I will hate what you did, but I will pity what you are. So when it ends, it ends, and we all go to the great blue yonder. Even as he murdered me, he said, I'll find you in the next life. And we'll come back together and we'll have another life like the countless of other lives we've traveled together through. And we always do the same thing time and time again. Forever 
we're going to take that journey. But I say, no, no, there's no next time. This is the last time that you will ever kill me. This is the last life that I will ever love you. It ends here. I will not be tormented by you again in the next life. In fact, I'm pretty sure we're not even headed to the same place anyway. So that is how the world ends, with a promise. And unlike him, I know how to keep a promise. If you enjoyed today's article, please follow me on NARC Troopers. That is my website where you will find many other podcasts, articles that are posted from Medium, and you will also see my video blogs. I have a lot of those too. It is a storehouse for many resources to help you on your healing journey. So join me at NARC Troopers. That's N-A-R-C-T-R-O-O-P-E-R-S dot com. Thank you. Be safe out there. We're going to get through to the other side. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.